0: Ridiculous. You know these people. Oh. I don't want to set the world on fire. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. It's SpongeBob. What's with all the ruckus? How's it going, everyone? This is Ruckus. I hope you all enjoyed that small addition I made to the introductory part of my show. Just one of many small changes I'm experimenting with here on The Daily Ruckus. I may be tweaking a little bit the format of my show, as well as the subject matter. You see, in general, I fear that I've kept the really important and hard-hitting news out of the mix, either out of fear that you wouldn't want to hear the truth, you can't handle the truth, or I can't handle telling it to you. So I'm going to start to rectify that. And I apologize in advance to any of my die-hard listeners who have been with me thus far. And maybe since you, like most of us, live in such a fragile world, and news is bad enough as it is, you actually appreciate the fact that I generally tiptoe around some of the more disturbing and important pressing information that I can't lie, would be a great disservice on me if I didn't at least try to bring it to your attention. And a lot of the things that I will be mentioning from this point forward might seem a little bit more like I'm taking you down a rabbit hole into an alternate reality of some sort, because the quote-unquote reality that most of us have been living in for the majority of our lives is the false paradigm. And the rabbit hole I'm about to lead you down is not necessarily going to lead any one of us towards any kind of certain universal truth... But it is much closer to reality, and it might be considered an alternate one to what you may already be familiar with when looking at the quote-unquote news, because it involves information, facts, and sources that the mainstream media and the quote-unquote news either doesn't know themselves, is afraid to report about themselves, or is literally paid to report on the exact opposite and do everything in their power to prevent you from hearing about it. But don't worry, I'm going to lead you down this rabbit hole gently. Look, I can even start this conversation out pretty similar to the way I usually do. Here, ready? Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Ruckus. You know, I'm a little bit of a history buff, and in some of the work that I do on a daily basis, I am involved with checking out On This Day in History and whatnot, usually so I can post something on social media. However, as of recording this, today is August 26th, 2020, and on this day in 1873, Lee DeForest invented the Audion Vacuum, and this invention made live radio broadcasts possible. So I found that kind of interesting, since, you know, I'm basically kind of on the radio, although this is the internet. Uh, but yeah, that invention, made on today in 1873, made it possible for later on in 1920, for the first commercial radio station to begin airing, uh, and that was started by the Detroit News, by the way. And then I found that interesting, because, you know, the news, Daily Ruckus, and all of that stuff. And as if all of that wasn't interesting enough, on this day in 1921... Ben Bradley was born, and he was actually one of the most prominent journalists during post-World War II America, serving as managing editor and then as executive editor at the Washington Post from 1965 to 1991. He was pretty famous. He became a public figure when he joined the New York Times in publishing the Pentagon Papers and gave the go-ahead for the paper's extensive coverage of the Watergate scandal. He was also criticized for editorial lap when the Post had to return a Pulitzer Prize in 1981 after it discovered its award-winning story was false. I guess that was the original fake news, right? But yeah, Ben Bradley, born on this day in 1921. And exactly a year later, on this day in 1921, Irving Levine was born, um, and he was a journalist. Uh, he spent 45 years with NBC reporting news, and he was pretty well known for wearing a bow tie on air, kind of like Tucker Carlson. So, Tucker... Love you, man, but you weren't the first one. So yeah, pretty interesting. And it's very interesting that on this day, again, August 26th in 1930, Philo Farnsworth receives patent number 1773980 for his invention of a television system. Yep. And that pretty much started to change the game as far as news and the creation of media, I suppose. And that's how I kind of started my day. So, can you blame me for the type of discussion that we're about to have you're listening to alternate current radio i'm adam clark and this is the daily ruckus I'm sure many of you have heard the word propaganda. And you're probably going to hear me using that word a lot more frequently from now on. And I'd like to share something that I discovered online on historians.org. Let me give you all fair warning that what I'm about to read was written in 1944 and is very gender-specific and not necessarily politically correct. But it is an accurate and historical document straight from the United States military. And this comes from a... War Department Education Manual, titled What is Propaganda? And in the section titled News and Propaganda, the author, Ralph D. Casey, writes that under the Constitution, freedom of the press is guaranteed. Why? Because a democratic nation knows that free expression of opinion and the free flow of facts, unhampered by governmental restrictions, is fundamental to intelligent action on the part of its citizens, and is also a social safety valve. The journalist of today has a responsibility to report facts as accurately, objectively, and disinterestedly as is humanly possible. The newspaper man who respects himself and his work, the average newspaper man, accepts this responsibility. The honest, self-disciplined, well-trained reporter seeks to be a propagandist for nothing but the truth. Of course, propaganda does bet into the press. Sometimes it is presented in the guise of Impartial fact because the newspaper man is not sufficiently trained or smart enough to recognize it for what it is. Sometimes the newspaper is a conscious propagandist, in news and headlines both, and sometimes propaganda is so obviously news and so obviously a matter of importance to the newspaper's readers that the paper presents it knowing that the readers themselves will recognize it for what it is and evaluate it for themselves. All this imposes a responsibility upon the newspaper reader, and it is with him that the responsibility of judgment ultimately should and does lie. The good newspaper man does his best to confirm the news, to weed out propaganda that isn't news, and to present whatever propaganda the citizenry ought to know about. Having done that, he leaves it up to the reader for evaluation and criticism. He knows that the critical reader, one decently supplied with facts and having some knowledge of propaganda methods and purposes, can do his own job of separating the wheat from the straw the important from the unimportant. That is the citizen's responsibility and his privilege in a democratic society. End quote. Again, please remember that was written in 1944, so you will have to ignore and or forgive all of the gender-specific stuff. I didn't write it. It's not 1944. It's 2020. Obviously, we live in a time where everybody, regardless of gender or race or religion or hopefully income level, has exactly the same right and opportunity to either read or write or report the news and that is certainly and obviously a very positive change to the world of journalism and the news however it should be quite clear to anyone at this point what role the news and the reader of the news has and had to play when it comes to determining whether or not the information you are reading is fact or propaganda and one of the unfortunate changes in the world of journalism and news involves two things. Number one the media or the quote-unquote news that passes itself off as journalism seems as though it's nothing but propaganda, and the reader or consumer of the news appears to be completely oblivious to any of that. And number two The citizen or the consumer Of the quote unquote news Has access to it 24 hours a day 7 days a week For the most part without having To even pay for it That's right the vast majority Of the news that we consume Is quote unquote free And obviously how media outlets Pay for their operation And the salaries of their journalists Is through advertising And that has opened up a whole can of worms that again the vast majority of the consumers of news are completely oblivious to and when the propaganda message that's being pushed by all of the mainstream media outlets is such a huge message with such a huge huge agenda driving it and is fueled by huge amounts of money I'm sure you all could agree that it might be very important if we know a little bit about that and hopefully by now I've prefaced this email Enough For you to realize that you are never going to hear about how Bill Gates quote-unquote buys mainstream outlets, journalists, and fact-checkers by going to those self-same mainstream outlets, journalists, and fact-checkers. Instead, we need to rely on real journalists and media outlets that have an integrity to doing their jobs in reporting the truth. Case in point, 21stCenturyWire.com. Shout out to Patrick Hennings by the way, who founded 21 Wire and hosts the weekly Sunday Wire radio program on alternate current radio. Okay, folks, so hold on, here's what the news doesn't want you to know, i.e. the real news. Over the last decade, a small group of billionaire philanthropists have quietly moved in to seize control of key nodes of media, government policy, and education. They claim that they are merely trying to fill in the funding gaps at struggling news organizations, especially in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. By far the biggest player in this network is the Gates Foundation. In short, Gates has long used his foundation's charitable veneer to steer and shape the public discourse on global health. In the case of COVID and vaccines, it is believed that Gates is using his billions to parlay both access and favorable news coverage. A recent investigation conducted by the Columbia Journal, Journalism review, reveals a number of disturbing findings which point to a multi-billion dollar network of information control and narrative management, with Bill Gates squarely at the center. Quote, Gates' generosity appears to have helped foster an increasingly friendly media environment for the world's most visible charity. End quote. Up to June of 2020, Bill Gates has plowed no less than $250 million in foundation grants into mainstream journalism. Takers include BBC, NBC, Al Jazeera, ProPublica, National Journal, The Guardian, Univision, Medium, Financial Times, The Atlantic, Gannett News, and Le Monde, to name only a few. Many other mainstream outlets are pocketing money for contracts they have with the Gates Foundation, including Vox. These mainstream outlets claim there are no strings attached to this free money from Gates, but upon closer examination, this relationship appears to be... Be fraught with influence peddling and obvious conflicts of interest. When one considers how intimately involved the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is with multiple global stakeholders in the much-hyped impending rollout COVID vaccines, namely through Gavi, and partnering with transnational pharmaceutical giants like AstraZeneca, Sanofi, Pfizer, Merck, Johnson & Johnson, Eli Lilly, Novartis, and others. This is in addition to Gates' funding of key global health policy players like the Wellcome Trust and the World Health Organization as well as various government agencies. The likelihood of conflicts of interest is enormous. Not least of all is the fact that many of these same pharmaceutical firms are also the top advertising buyers on all of the major mainstream media outlets globally. It's also been revealed how Gates is funding the supposed fact checkers currently being used by Facebook and other social media firms, which are a aggressively censoring any information on their platforms, which is critical of Gates and pharmaceutical firms, particularly in relation to COVID and vaccines. In this way, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is effectively operating at the head of an international cartel. Incredibly, Gates even funded a 2016 report from the American Press Institute, which was then used to develop reporting guidelines, which supposedly tells newsrooms how to maintain, quote, editorial independence from philanthropic funders, end quote. Indeed, Gates has certainly covered all his bases. 21stcenturywire.com. And rather than having me read to you the Columbia Journalism Reviews report, I am going to strongly encourage you to visit their website, cjr.org, and or 21 Wire's website, and read it for yourself. Because a very important part to recognizing propaganda and breaking free from the phony baloney bull crap that's force-fed to you by the mainstream on a silver platter, you have to go do your own research. You have to do your own reading. You have to do your own thinking. I'm just trying to steer you in the right direction. So again, I highly encourage you to read that report. Another place I highly encourage you to check out would be globalresearch.ca. That's the Center for Research on Globalization's website, where you can get some breaking news and insights about things that maybe you might personally find important, rather than waiting for the mainstream news to determine whether or not it's important enough for you to hear about it, like how the Geneva UN Medical Directors, UNMD group, has just issued a consensus statement for UN staff in Geneva that is essentially warning UN staff of stricter measures be taken, such as mask wearing in the office, as well as increased working from home again, when in June, these conditions were relaxed. The UNMD refers to the Canton of Geneva's new regulations based on Switzerland's claim of a steady increase in COVID 19 infections. Since the beginning of July, new cases have surpassed 100 a day and reached even way beyond 200 at the end of July and above 250 in mid August. The testing positive has allegedly steadily increased and often by close to 10% per day. Now, surprisingly, they say, 40% of the cases concern people between 20 and 40 years of age. But who checks? The UN is going along. Or is it the UN who has forced these increasing COVID figures in Geneva so they may prepare first their staff, then the population in general, worldwide, for a new lockdown in October? All is possible. We are in for the long haul, the UN paper suggests, and so do authorities, not only in Switzerland, but all around the world. Look at the tyrannical oppressive measures happening in Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Africa. Thailand has hermetically closed all her borders. Germany is preparing for a new lockdown, though they say the contrary. So is France. And the U.S., state by sorry state, as they are battling racial unrest, woke protests, Black Lives Matter movements, and anti-police riots, all organized and paid for by the Soros's, Rockefeller's, Ford's, Gates, and more oligarchic, philanthropic, humanitarian foundations. The mainstream cannot even keep up anymore with covering the U.S. city chaos. All this talk, predictions, projections, threats, contradictions, anarchy in the cities is fabricated on purpose not only to confuse, but also to repress and depress people. Hopelessness is an effective weapon. It's a weaponized narrative. The consensus statement of the UN Medical Directors Network starts by saying, quote, The recent surge in new cases, without ever describing what new cases entail. New infections? Newly tested positive but no symptoms? Sick people? hospital people? People who died? In fact, the death rate has not gone up whatsoever. Nobody has died from these quote-unquote new cases or quote-unquote new infections. Nobody reports on this important fact. It sounds dramatic, a case, an infection, but nobody dares ask the so-called pathetic and corrupted authorities such crucial questions. Nobody asks for an explanation what these quote-unquote increased figures really mean. Are they increased as a function of increased testing? How is testing performed? Does anybody ever ask how these the infamous and controversial polymerase chain reactor tests are performed and analyzed, and the results reported into the annals of statistics so as to produce ever more virus cases? The website Virology Down Under reports a comment of Professor Martin Haddich's, quote, As to my knowledge, infection is defined as the proof of an infectious agent and the proof of multiplication of this agent inside the body, or associated inflammatory response that can be linked to this agent. Therefore, my question is, where was the specimen taken from the asymptomatic nurses? PCR, as we all know, just detects nucleic acids. So if multiplication cannot be proven, and no local or systematic inflammatory response is given, how was quote-unquote contamination, no matter whether due to inactivated parts of MERS, COV, or even complete virus particles, ruled out? This is not a semantic question only, but should impact the reported number of cases. Does the surge in new cases coincide with a surge of new tests? Who makes the tests? Is there an independent entity that controls the tests, monitors the tests, as to who is tested and when and with what frequency tests are carried out and the results reported? For example, are people who are tested several times also reported several times? The UNMD consensus statement is nothing but a support to the globalized fear mongering. It fits an agenda, a huge, sinister agenda. The compulsory mask wearing is the the most detested measure imposed by the deep dark state, the invisible masters that are pressing us into a New World Order scheme. They know it. They love it. They are psychopaths. And mask wearing is dangerous, dangerous for one's health and well-being. The forced mask wearing is an important agenda in the Great Transformation, or the Great Reset, predicted by both the International Monetary Fund and the World Economic Forum to be officially rolled out in Davos, Switzerland, in January 2021. It is an agenda of re-education, by rituals. The mask wearing is a ritual on behavioral acceptance. It's a ritual of initiation towards obedience. The faster and easier you accept the mask, the faster you are accepted. Accepted in society. Most people want to be accepted. It makes them comfortable, no matter how much this acceptance is based on lies. Then there are the few who will resist, who don't care about acceptance. They fiercely resist. The system of tyranny makes sure that they are socially discriminated and excluded from society. They are social no-goes. They are looked at as if they were monsters, discriminated against, excluded. It is the old divide to conquer. Your friend for years has suddenly become your enemy. Families, groups, clubs, entire societies are divided and made to despise each other. Division along the ritual line. Amazing how it works for masks. Wait until you see how it works for vaccination. Another ritual being prepared as we are oblivious to what's awaiting us in the next 5 to 10 years. We are not doomed yet, but we have to act fast and decisively and in unison in solidarity. And I hope dear listener I didn't scare any of you away because I'm really going to need all of you to act fast and decisively and in unison to tune into the next episode. For the ACR, I'm Adam Clark and this has been the Daily Ruckus for Wednesday, August 26, 2020. For more information, please visit alternatecurrentradio.com.